0: Hey, my name is Josh Chambers. And I'm Leif Parton. Welcome to How Humans Change. Every episode, we speak with someone who's undergone some kind of change, and we get the backstory. In this episode, we spoke with Hannah about what it was like to get divorced at 27, how that's changed her, and what life looks like now. Well, divorce is a heavy topic. This wasn't a bitter or angry conversation. There was actually a lightness and a joy to it, and I think that came from Hannah especially. She seems like she's moved on in quite a few ways um, and gained a lot of clarity on things and found a lot of health in life post-marriage. So it's interesting to talk to her about how many shifts occurred in her 20s and her ex-husband's 20s that drove them further apart. That's obviously a time of great change for many people in their 20s. They're learning and growing and changing as individuals Sometimes that draws people together, sometimes it doesn't. We talked to Hannah about what life looks like once she was separated. We learned some crazy facts, like in DC, you cannot get officially divorced until six months after you requested it. So you have to stay in this strange purgatory for six months. And I think it was just a really lovely conversation because again, Hannah was so transparent, so vulnerable, so kind, so honest. And I think it's, it's we're at that age now, if you're in your 30s or even your 20s, where divorce is no longer something that happens to our parents. It's something that's happening to our friends. So Hannah brought a great perspective. We're so thrilled that she talked to us. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. If you or you know anyone that would be great for this podcast, please reach out at HowHumansChange.com. Thanks, and here's Hannah. So, uh, first question that we like to ask people, Yep. Uh, really important, you're going to have to think hard about it, and it's important you get this question right, <laughs> what were you like in high school?
1: Um, in high school, I was, well, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, and, um, which is a, a very exciting place to grow up. Um, that sarcasm I thought it was really not very interesting yeah um, did you live next to Warren Buffett I was like the, there was I did not no I went to school in like the rich part of town where like kids were like oh my parents know Warren Buffett I was <laughs> not one of those kids really so I was like the weird like kind of like punkish emo kid that held, like hung out with the really smart kids even though I wasn't one of them um, interesting so so music yeah. was a
0: big part of your life I assume if you were if you were emo it had to be
1: Music was a big part of my life. I still um, cannot listen to just one song from David Bazan's Control without listening to the whole album all the way through.
0: Okay, so high school, you and uh, you were the more artistic emo kid hanging out with wealthier kids in Omaha, Nebraska. Go on. Yeah,
1: that's that's probably about it. I think I, um, yeah, I spent a lot of time at like local coffee shops and. I was really into, like, I did a lot of reading and photography and stuff like that. Um, I think that I always had this sense of feeling um, just like, a, like unrest um, with where I was living. I felt like there was just so much that I wanted to, like, see and do and experience. And um, I feel like that kind of drive set me apart in some ways. You know, a lot of people, I feel like, were kind of content with, like, going to a state school and um, getting, like, a good job working for Warren Buffett or ConnAger or something and, you know, starting a family and all of that kind of stuff. And um, certainly, like, there are aspects of it that didn't sound terrible to me, but it was, like, man, that just sounds so boring. Uh Like, you know, I was was kind of one of those kids. Like, I couldn't wait to get out of there. Yeah.
0: And did it feel at the time, like like judgment like oh man uh, what's wrong with you guys or and i suppose it could be both was it like i just can't do this this isn't for me
1: um yeah was kind of a this isn't for me um i think that it's really hard though to be one of those people who's like i can't wait to get out of this town without like passing judgment on it yeah because there's a reason you don't want to be there um And so I think that there's some tension from that. And even like when I, my grandparents still live there. And so when I go back now, it's like, it's suffocating. It's like the same sort of like, this is just depressing and everything looks the same and it's not that interesting. And I know there's stuff that happens there, but it's very much like, I can't wait to get out.
0: Yeah. When you were growing up, did you have like, were your parents, uh, did they foster something in you that caused you to see the world differently? Did you have siblings that you were that you share that interest were with, or did it just feel like you kind of showed up in the world different?
1: (laughs) It definitely feels like I showed up in the world different. I, I, I love my family, but I, I say to my mom all the time, like I'm kind of the black sheep of my family, not in a bad way, but in a, in a way that like my, the rest of my family doesn't make the decisions in the same way that I do. And I think that there's, that it's something that parents have had to kind of come to terms with to understand. So for instance, um, last fall, I was feeling incredibly dissatisfied with the way my life was going in a lot of areas and just really didn't know kind of what I wanted to do next. I knew that I wasn't happy and I was ready to, to kind of change things up a little bit. And so, um, I cashed in a bunch of airline miles and went to Southeast Asia for effectively a month. Um, and traveled by myself in Thailand and Cambodia. Huh.
0: Oh, that's amazing.
1: yeah, it was amazing. It was an incredible experience and I wouldn't change it for anything in the world but I think that my my parents were like we don't understand what like why you need to do this
0: Like alarm bells were going off for them they're they're kind of thinking like oh no, she's yeah like going off the deep end right now.
1: yeah exactly. yeah, I "I need this so I don't go off the defense. Like, this is what I need to help me stay safe
0: right now. (laughs) Right. So that people get an idea of where we're headed, and then we'll go back a little bit in time. What was the big life-changing event in your mid-20s?
1: Yeah, so I was actually thinking about it. I think it was 2014. um, I went through a breakup that ended up in a divorce. Um, I got married when I was super young. I was 22, and... um, yeah, when I was like 27, I guess um, we went our separate ways.
0: So that was five years of marriage, right? Then five, six ish.
1: Uh, something like that. Okay. Yeah.
0: So you, when did you? You went to, you went off to school, and then when did you move to DC? Was it right after college?
1: Yeah, it was right after college. I moved to DC like, I don't know, maybe three weeks after I finished school. I I graduated from undergrad. I got married like two weeks later, and then moved to DC within a month.
0: Where did you, where'd so you go was, to school?
1: I went to Colorado Christian University. Oh, okay. It's like a small liberal arts school outside Denver.
0: So was your family growing up a religious family?
1: Yeah, they were and still very much are.
0: Got it. Uh, it's A lot of the people we're talking to, as a side note, seem to be coming from a religious background. Many of them are no longer in that same stream. Some of them are completely out of it. Uh, so when you when you moved to D.C., uh, if (laughs) it's a very big difference from Nebraska were your parents and was your family community kind of like, well, there goes Hannah doing her thing. Or are they like, Oh my God, you're, you're going to hell. Like where were what was going on?
1: No, they were super excited about it. Um, they were were really supportive. They thought, I mean, they knew that I was, I was restless. They knew that once I left home, I would never be back. Um, so I think that they were, they were really excited for me kind of starting that new chapter of my life.
0: And what was that new? Were you married at the time? What was the new chapter?
1: Yeah. So I got married and then moved kind of all in one fell swoop. Um, and I think that they, you know, like looking back, I think that because I do come from a religious family, I don't, I don't know that they would have been supportive of me moving to DC with my ex had we not been married. I think they would have thought that was wrong or something Um, and in some ways I think that probably played into the decision for both him and I um, was that we we knew that that was something that our parents how they would react
0: got it so because you were married uh, you it was cool for you to go to DC but had you not been married maybe not so much or at least as as a couple
1: yeah as a couple yeah definitely not so much got it
0: gotcha I see so it wasn't like you going by yourself, it was them.
1: Yeah, it was like the 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 relational nature of it.
0: Got it. Okay. So you got into the nonprofit space, am I right? Or was it government or both?
1: Uh both, yeah. So I moved out to DC and I didn't have a job and um I knew that I was vaguely interested in politics and that seems like a good place to pursue that. And so um I reached out to the same connections I had and ended up working in politics for about three years. Um, And that was, that was interesting. It wasn't really what I set out to do, but um, it was, it was great at the time. And then um, ended up going to grad school and working in the nonprofit space. And yeah.
0: Is there any worse city to not have a job in and be at a party than DC?
1: (laughs) That's so true.
0: Oh my gosh. Uh
1: it's yeah
0: i mean that's like that's all that matters there it really is it's kind of this i remember uh when we moved to dc i had also just graduated and my wife didn't have a job at the time and we had never seen anything like it the first question at every party was what do you do there wasn't even like you barely got your name out before that and not having a great answer was this kind of It was almost a conversation killer. You could even literally see people's faces contort sometimes. They could be like, You don't have any aspirations and dreams? What's wrong with you? I know.
1: Is it contagious?
0: Yes, get away from me. You can do nothing for me. Let's move on. I don't want to talk to you any longer. That's how it felt. Exactly. Okay, Mm -hmm. so you did get a job and reacquainted yourself with social acceptability. And then you're in the nonprofit, you go to grad school in DC.
1: Yep. Yeah, okay. I did.
0: At, and at this point, so I guess at this point, you guys have been married for a few years. What's what's starting to change and what's shifting for you?
1: So we had like a super like unique relationship, I think in a lot of aspects. Um, and one of those was that for, I think like the first probably three years that we were married, my ex-husband traveled full-time for work. And so um, I would like, say goodbye to him Sunday night or Monday morning and he'd get on a plane and then be back, you know, Friday night. Um, And so our relationship was very much like we had our own lives during the week and then we had a life together on the weekends. And so that just dynamic, I think at first it was really challenging because we were newly married and obviously wanted to be together. Um, But then I think we got really comfortable and used to the rhythm of, us having our own space Mm -hmm. um and I think that in many ways like it it became kind of like a crutch where we didn't have to like deal with issues because we only saw each other two days of the week and so you want those to be like as good as possible so you like one you don't have to put up with another person like being in your space and like leaving dishes laying around the house or whatever but two it's not really worth it to bring up like petty arguments that you might have if you were together all the time. Wow. Because you know your time is limited. Um, And so there was like that aspect. And then he, when I started grad school, I quit my job, started grad school, and he stopped traveling. And so then it was like I was going through this major life change of not going to work and doing something that was really stressful and that I wanted to really excel at, and he was around. Um, Was he working? he was working? Yeah, he was working. He was just working in D.C. And so he would travel a little bit, but it wasn't it wasn't on a weekly basis. Looking and back, so, when,
0: when he was getting that job in D.C., was there a part of you that was – were you guys really excited or was there a part of you that was afraid as you uh, looked at this big upcoming shift in your relationship?
1: I think it was a little bit of both. I think that we were tired of feeling like we didn't really have a normal relationship. And I think that we were excited to kind of have that like daily daily of being together. Yeah. Um but I think that we we also were scared because we did like get married so young and we had both changed a lot. And I think that that in many ways I think we both saw those kind of like differences that had arisen come to a head in some in some ways. What
0: do you, what do you mean by you both had changed a lot?
1: Like, I think that as I got to do more work in the nonprofit space, I became less motivated by wanting to, like, make a ton of money or to have, like, a really badass sounding job title or kind of all of those, like, trappings of DC life.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: I feel like for my ex, um, and I'd still, let's say, I'm on good terms with him and have no sort of animosity towards him. I think that he just wanted a different lifestyle, you know, like... He wanted the apartment in Georgetown and the Cadillac and all of that, and those were the things that he was working for, and that really wasn't kind of the lifestyle that I was like got really excited about. You know, I was still very much wanted to like try new things and explore, and um, and he did too, but I think that we really just kind of saw that our trajectory in a lot of ways was was going in different directions. Did we didn't it, have a lot of cop in common at some point
0: um I'm fascinated by that you you meet all sorts of couples who sometimes you meet couples and they seem to do everything together and then sometimes you meet couples and they seem to uh, be so different and not uh, have many common interests at all was it something that you felt like when, when you started to realize that, were you was it a scary thing or was it, oh, you know what? So we can make this work and no big deal.
1: Um, I think it was, I think it was a scary thing because I think that we, we both realized that we really only connected with each other like when we were on vacation because that was something that we both really loved to do but otherwise we didn't have like shared hobbies. You know, like we'd go, like we both really liked to like go out and have like a nice dinner and like good cocktails and stuff but it wasn't like there weren't like those commonalities that like a a relationship is built on
0: got it when did you start realizing this hannah was this before or after you started going to grad school and he came back to dc for his work um
1: it was probably it was probably while i was in grad school and i think that it was because We were in the same space, and I was under a lot of stress, and he was too, and I think that we really kind of were able to see our relationship for, like, what it was.
0: Hmm. Did you have other people around you at that time that were, like, sort of on your side, or did you feel sort of alone in this?
1: Um, No, we definitely had people who were on our side. Um, He he comes from a really, really remarkable family, and um, they were in many ways, our biggest champions. And, um, they, his parents are the type of people that like, they were there for me always. And, um, I think that having them in our life was really helpful at the time. Um, even though, you know, we obviously didn't stay together. I think it was, it was really amazing to have that sort of familial support.
0: That is amazing. That's pretty rare.
1: Yeah, it's super rare. I mean, it was, Yeah, when when things really kind of fell apart between he and I, I actually his parents are in Colorado. I actually flew out and stayed with them for a week.
0: Oh wow.
1: Because it was like I just needed to be with like be home with people who would like love and take care of me and my family's absolutely wonderful, but it was like I just needed to be with them. Um and so that was like the extent to which I was embedded in their family.
0: That's kind of mind blowing. So I know we're jumping all over the place chronologically, but uh you went out, do you realize how different that sounds? To say like. <laughs> yes, I
1: totally do. Cause yeah. it's so
0: different, what was that all about?
1: It was just, I mean, I think that I, I, at that time, I really felt like our relationship could be salvaged. And I was worried that if I went home to my parents, my mother who had been through a divorce of her own would not be able to like, be rational. I think that she would have gone into like mama bear mode and been like, you're hurting my daughter. I will never forgive you. I will
0: kill you. Exactly. You should kill him.
1: Yeah. Like that sort of like, like just kind of, and I don't blame her for it whatsoever, but Mm -hmm. I just felt like if I had gone home to my parents, it wouldn't have been productive.
0: So as you're, as you're going to grad school and he's home, um, do you, you start to think, hmm, we've both changed as individuals, or you start to think, oh, man, I don't, what, what's our relationship all about? Like, Did it feel like it was way different than back at the beginning, or do you feel like you were just starting to see things for what they were?
1: Um, I think it was a little of both. And I think that that whole kind of process was really gradual because we were discovering what it was like to live with each other. Um, because that was something that hadn't really happened consistently. Um, and then I would say that that eventually it became the type of thing where um, once I was done with grad school um, was when it really kind of eventually became evident that we were on two really different tracks. Um, and it was like we didn't really have the same interests or things in common or, or hobbies. And and in many ways, I think that, that while like we liked each other and cared for each other, it wasn't like, it, it, there wasn't like that, like relationship
0: there. Yeah. So as you're, as you were processing these things, was there a surprise for you? Were you, were you like, wait, this isn't the person I married? Um, did those things catch you off guard?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and he, I feel like he probably would say the same thing about me. And I, th- I think that part of that is because we did get married so young and you do change so much in your 20s. Um, and, and I think that part of that's natural and you just kind of hope that you change in the same ways rather than different ways.
0: Yeah, and your your big changes in your 20s, it feel it sounds like there there were some big ones around just your values no longer. Did you did you uh did you think early on that you'd kind of wanted the the money and the in the big house and the central DC lifestyle um or did was that amorphous for you and it just kind of evolved into I just want to work in this other space and don't care about money.
1: I think it was, mm, that's a good question. I think that for me, a lot of it was, it, it kind of evolved, um, especially as I kind of matured and, and stepped back and said, you know, what is, what is the life that I, that I really want? Versus what are the life that I'm like pursuing because I'm with this other person? Like I wouldn't say that I had a strong sense of self when I got married.
0: Crazy. Okay, that's that's amazing. Um, ama- uh, amazing is not the right word. Okay, let's just just huge caveat here. I may use like superfluous exciting words for very dark bad situations because I'm I'm interested in it. So just say that because it's yeah. not amazing. It's, if it's that would be that would thank you. It's interesting. No yeah. word is interesting. So you had. <laughs> You hadn't gone through um, this self-discovery yet, is what you were saying, yeah? Talk more yeah, about that. Yeah, correct.
1: Uh, I think I think a lot of so a lot of this reflection is sort of retroactive, right? I wouldn't say that I was self-aware enough in a lot of instances in my relationship with him. To say like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling like I didn't have a strong sense of self and that's why I'm unsatisfied or whatever else. A lot of it is because I have taken so much time to kind of think about and process what happened and then identify what I want out of my life going forward. Yeah. And so I would say that a lot of that evolution of thinking about like, we're on different tracks and, and all of that really was, it was happening, but it was so much of it was under the surface. Right. Um, where it was like a like a nagging of like this like I want something more than how this is right now, or um, you know just kind of like an unsettled feeling that would huh. manifest itself in different ways.
0: You know, so, when when talking to people throughout the years about these types of things, sometimes people are able to say there was this one thing that really stuck out and other times people are able to say, I can't think of a single thing, I just know it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, are you able to think of any moments along that journey where you're walking along and all of a sudden this thought hits you or you have this experience that awakens something?
1: Um. No, I don't think that there was, really. I mean, I think that that it was it just very much was kind of a like gradual
0: process. Mm-hmm. And as you started the gradual process towards this, um, identifying self, uh, what kind of stuff started to show up? Was it like, I like ping pong or was it, I like, uh, there's a hobby that I enjoy or there's a new value that I didn't know I had. What started to emerge?
1: That's such a good question. Well, um, I thank
0: you, I, Hannah. We only ask yeah. great questions here at How Can We Change? I know. Changing. That's why I agreed
1: to talk with you. So, I um, it was probably like a month after my ex and I broke up. Um, one of my good friends at the time, who had uh, gone through his own divorce, said that his therapist recommended making a list and thinking about like your relationship as a house, and when you go through a breakup. Um, you have like all these building materials left over. It's like your whole house crumbles. So you have like bricks of all different shapes and sizes and like paint and drywall and all of this stuff. And your job after that destruction is to sit there with all of it and say, what of this serves me well? And I should, I want it to be in my life going forward. What if it was useful in this past relationship, but I don't think it defines me. Um, And then what sort of like building materials, if you will, um, were not there, but I want to incorporate in this new structure that I'm creating. And I like literally made a list of things. I was like, I love that we entertained and I loved that we traveled and I love that we um, were involved in like exploring our city and all of like those sorts of things. I was like, I definitely I want those to be part of my life. They might not look the same, but I know that I want those things. Um, and then there is a lot of like unknown things about, like really big questions of like, do I want to have children at some point in my life? Um, you know, like what what sort of value structure do I want to incorporate in my life? And then the other things that were kind of like, hey, I might want to, I might want this. Um, one of the big ones was cycling. I'd always been interested in like riding bikes and then it was like well I have all this free time and I needed new friends (laughs) so I I like I went on a group ride and fell in love with it and then bought a nice bike and now that's like that brings me an immense amount of joy in my life and I never ever would have experienced that had I had I still been in that relationship wow uh just because I wouldn't have like prioritized it
0: and didn't don't you wish you would have known about that when you first moved to DC so you could have been a DC insider from day one? I know. Because for I people know. who haven't lived there, it is like cycling, it's the cycling mecca because it's such a type A, uh, such a type A sport. You get to you're super driven. You get to like geek out on like milligrams of weight and it's mm-hmm. it's so fun. Yeah, so and go it's ahead, go funny
1: because now I'm in Georgia and it's like people are like oh you can't ride your bike here it's not safe and i'm like i'm diet
0: well that is unique that is interesting too because even describing yourself in high school and early on you described someone who's more artistic and who uh, likes to explore and travel and this kind of goes to why it's so silly to try to put people in boxes but Cycling oftentimes is more attached to like people who seem to really thrive and enjoy in it are not generally Artists or people who are more on that creative bent. They're usually like the more driven um, High-energy those types of folks
1: Yeah, yeah, so, I think that's true but to your point like I would say that there definitely are are aspects of my life that fit into that more like cliche creative box so for instance, I last year, I was thinking pretty seriously about making the leap from um, like working for a nonprofit to doing freelance consulting. And um, I got really scared about the fact that I didn't have a safety net. And so if I like couldn't find clients, there's no one else who's going to pay my bills. And so I started baking as a side hustle just to like, get some extra money in case I decided to make that step in my life because I've always really, really loved food. And so for like nine months last year, I like baked professionally on the side. Um, and that's another thing. Like if I was in any sort of relationship, I wouldn't be able to do it because I was working all weekend, but I loved that and wouldn't have traded that experience for anything now.
0: Interesting. So you're, it sounds like, um, You're starting to explore even new careers, which we'll get to, but explore these different hobbies and different activities. Um, And I wanted to talk more about that and also just different value systems that you identified along the way. But why don't we, if you're okay with it, uh, just talk about the months leading up to and then during and post the actual divorce. What was going on?
1: Um, That's It's such an interesting the timeline and that is really interesting to me actually. Um, it's coming up on, um, three years, I guess now. Um, this time three years ago is basically when it all happened. Um, I, my ex and I had, had moved into a new apartment and, um, had just kind of gotten everything unpacked and, um, we making plans for how we would decorate it and kind of all of these things. And I, you know, it had two bedrooms and we hadn't really talked seriously about having children, but it was kind of one of those things where I think I had said to him at some point, like, we could actually like start our family here. Like this was a like adult apartment where we could start a family if we chose to. And, um, so that was kind of the context of where we were living and we had been there about three weeks and he went on a work trip, and um, it was just different than all of the other ones. I, I actually like had gone through text messages at some point, um, and I like had texted him, like, I just feel like I don't miss you, and that scares me.
0: Wow. And This is this trip, like, Hannah, or prior? Yeah,
1: it was this trip. It was like three weeks after we had moved into our new place. Wow. Um, so basically this time three years ago, and...
0: And hold on. I'm uh, sorry I'm interrupting you, but back up. Had you... Yeah. Prior to this, were you guys like, was there any therapy involved? Were you like, oh man, we're not doing very well? Or was this out of the blue?
1: It was kind of out of the blue. I think that there was, I think we both were feeling kind of restless. And I think that I had, I had felt like we probably, we had a therapist who we'd seen a couple of times before. And I had, I think I was feeling like we should probably go back just to kind of start identifying why we felt so distant. Um, and why it felt like we were kind of going through the motions.
0: So, did you guys address it? Did you come? Did did when he came back, were you like, so how about that text I sent, huh?
1: Yeah, I was like, I was like, we have to figure this shit out, and it was over the course of kind of three days of conversations that we had, of me being like, we need to like, I don't know what's going on, but we have to fix it wow. to. That was like a Friday, and that Sunday he was like, "I don't want to do this anymore," and so it was like it was like Holy a weekend crap. happened. Yeah, wow. it was fast, and so that was the that was the week that I went out to Colorado, and then I came back, and it was like, you know, nothing had changed really. Um, and from what he told me was that he felt like he could not envision a life going forward where he would be happy and that I think that yeah which is like a terrible thing but also like so honest right and I I I I in so many ways respect him for that because if you're in a relationship and you can identify that you're not gonna be happy and you're not willing to do whatever it takes to be happy then like get out right like it's better to do that than make yourself and someone else miserable
0: and when he was When he was saying this, I mean, I can't, I mean, I'm assuming there was a lot of strong emotions involved. What were you feeling at the time?
1: I, I felt like death. I mean, I, it's, it's kind of crazy to me how as humans, we can experience physical pain along with emotional pain and that's something that I had never experienced before and hoped to never experience again just because it was truly devastating. You know, you you make plans and you have hopes for the future and all of these other things that even in, you know, dark times or when relationships are difficult, I feel like I'm the type of person who's always looking forward and saying like, hey, it was awesome in the past and it can be again. Um, and so it's kind of when that that ends it's it feels like there's no hope.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How did you get through it?
1: Um I don't know. I I think that there's I had my like obviously my family was really supportive during that time and wonderful and I had a really strong community of faith that Came beside me, which I am incredibly grateful for. I had a phenomenal, phenomenal therapist um, who I still talk to on the reg because she's awesome. Um, and I think that I, I definitely will say that I made mistakes during that time, and it took a lot of like growing up really fast in some ways. Um, but I think that I also saw that there was a lot of life on the other side and at some point i decided that i'd rather work towards like getting that for myself than dwelling on like all the pain and everything that had happened in the past
0: how were you during the divorce able to say you know i've been thinking that i have been uh missing some of my self-discovery and individuality, and wow, this might give me a chance to do that, or was that the pain of going through a breakup like that so overshadowing that that didn't come up until much later?
1: No, that was definitely a part of it, was kind of realizing, well, you know, I mean, for one, for me, I was in my 20s, and so I felt like I was I was young and thankful that it happened then versus, you know, 10, 15 years down the road when I had kids and everything else. Um, So it felt like very much it was my time wasn't like past to do that sort of like self-discovery or whatever. Um, And I think the other thing that I'm, it sounds kind of twisted, but I'm grateful for is that my ex is the type of person who once he decides something, he doesn't change his mind. And so after that point, where he was like, "I don't want to be with you anymore," it was over, and there was never really any question for me of like, "Is he going to change his mind? Can I win him back?" and all of that. It was just done, um, which I think a lot of people don't have a clean break, and so I think that made it easier to for me to kind of assess like, "Okay, where's my life at? How do I pick up the pieces and move forward?"
0: Yeah, completely. And did it feel as much like a, I mean, you're describing it, obviously, as you said, retrospectively and having done quite a bit of analysis and therapy, et cetera. But in that moment when on that Sunday after that Friday, did it feel like a big, like as big of a semi-truck out of nowhere as it sounds listening to this? Yeah,
1: Yeah, it totally felt that way. One hundred percent. Yeah, because I mean, it was just the, it was, I had Then I had been feeling like I wanted things to be different in our relationship. And I think that if you are married, you're going to feel that way, no doubt. And we'd felt that way before and worked through it. And I think for me, I, I'm the type of person where I can't imagine sitting there and saying like, either this isn't worth working through or I can't, that's just not my personality. And so it was both a shock because I felt like it came out of nowhere and I couldn't do anything about it. And then it's still at that time, and maybe even today, is difficult to wrap my head around how someone could make that decision.
0: So getting into someone who, people who haven't been through a divorce, people haven't even married, uh, just... Walk us through the logistics of what happens. So you on a Sunday say, "Okay, well this is done." You go to Colorado, uh, and then what happens, and how long does it take?
1: After that, I we did go to therapy once, um, and that was that was kind of it. He didn't want to go anymore because it was done in his mind, um, and I. Um, gosh, what happened? He went on another trip. I started looking for a place to live. Um, we went to mediation, which is like the, the nice version of a divorce where you both sit down with a mediator who doesn't represent either of you and kind of go through your assets and, um, ideally come up with an agreement about who pays alimony to whom. And, um, you know, the division of marital property so who keeps the apartment who you know what happens to your, your joint savings all of that um, and then in DC you have to be legally separated for six months before you can apply for divorce and so
0: what uh, I didn't yeah know that. yeah did you yeah. did you know that before that
1: I did not know that before that. So yeah, we had to we we split up um, I think officially in May and we couldn't apply for divorce until December. Um, So in December we went to the courthouse, applied, and then they gave us a court date in January.
0: Do you have any idea why that law exists?
1: I I don't I guess it's in case people change their mind.
0: Man, that sounds like a lot of crappy limbo.
1: It really is because it's like, I mean, I'm sure people do change their mind. But at that point, you're like, all right, this is happening. I want to get it over with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Rip the bandaid off. Good Lord.
1: Yeah. That whole whole six months, it was like, I am still married to this person, but we don't have a relationship. And you're just like waiting. It's like though it's like how you're as a kid, you're like waiting for Christmas and counting down the days. Only this is like terrible. Yeah. So you're like dreading the days, but you want it to come faster so you can move on with your life. Oh my
0: gosh. So was that maybe like six of the worst months of your life?
1: (laughs) It was pretty bad. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because it was like, I am at that time. I was also like trying to build my life back. And yet there's still this aspect that's like hanging over your head. Um,
0: so when it finally yeah. happens, did you notice? Like, was there a marked difference in your outlook in your mental well-being?
1: Um, in some ways. So when it finally happened, it was it was January, and um, I it was it was actually really crazy how it all worked out. But I had um, been booked to go to a work conference in Spain that started basically two days afterwards, and so I got divorced. Um, picked up luggage, and then got on a flight to Europe. And I went to Spain for this work conference that was like two or three days. And then I had booked um, basically like, I think, seven days in Istanbul because I'd always wanted to go to Turkey, and I found like a $100 flight from Madrid. And so I am so grateful because I got on a plane, and I woke up the next morning, and I was in a different country. And it was like this horrible thing had happened – but I was already stepping out into that new life that I had kind of envisioned for myself. That's so
0: beautiful, wow. Yeah,
1: it was really, it was really kind of a gift. I, I, I it was such a gift because I don't think I could have stayed in D.C. afterwards,
0: yeah. you know,
1: because it just was like I just needed space and I'd processed so much. But it was, I needed to get out, and so mm-hmm. I just feel like it was, it was just really such an amazing opportunity to be able to step back and take time for myself to do things that I loved and then come back to DC and have it be like really a new life there in some ways.
0: As you were experiencing this evolution in values, what are the big shifts that you've noticed between 22 year old Hannah and now?
1: I think now I am much more, self-determinant. I think I'm a lot more intentional about making decisions for myself rather than decisions that will make other people happy. Um, and I think that's part of like growing up, but I think it's also part of going through a, a such a big change in life. Um, my mom sometimes is like, Oh, my little girl's all grown up. She's, I'm like 31 and she still thinks I'm in college sometimes and then I remind her I'm like mom I've hired my own attorney and she's like yep you're right <laughs> you can do things on your own um, I think that's I think that's a big one I think that my I'm still a religious person but I think that my faith has shifted really dramatically um, where before I think that it was it was very much something that I, I was involved in because I'd always been involved in it. And then when the divorce happened, it was like, I really saw the value of being part of a faith community um,
0: that's and really, having that a support note, structure. That's really yeah. beautiful to hear because uh, I was going to ask, I mean, that can go either way. Uh, I think some faith traditions look down on or don't accept divorce or aren't. Really okay with it, so that's really that's really lovely to hear that your community was was supportive during that time.
1: Yeah, I yeah, I think that's that's absolutely true. Is that there is some ostracization that happens for people who have been divorced within faith communities, um, and I would say for me now, it's still something that's that's very important, but it looks very different than the faith that i grew up in um which says a lot of things like uh this happened because god wanted it to happen so you know, my, my mom, for instance, said that Donald Trump was president because that's what God wanted. And I was like, no, 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 that, that's, that's no, no, that's not how this works.
0: I, were you, so, so were you pre like pre divorce was that more kind of the, the faith view that you had was like, things happen for a reason, all things happen for a reason. And then the divorce caused you to rethink that, or did you already have that view?
1: I think I was kind of coming towards that view of that, you know, I think I think that God is involved in our lives and loves us and cares about us, but doesn't dictate certain things to happen. Um, and I think that the, the divorce really made that very clear to me because I don't think God's will is for anyone to go through a divorce. Um, but humans are able to make their own choices. Um, and so I think that 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 was very much a, a pretty integral part in that shift in the way that I think about, um, issues of faith.
0: There's nothing like encountering a giant pile of personal pain to make you really pressure test some of those values. Like it's so easy to say, everything happens for a reason until you get shit on. And then you're like, did this one happen for a reason? Cause it doesn't feel great
1: yeah it's like where do you draw that line
0: yeah um, well there's there's no <laughs> there's no great way to end a conversation like this because I'm just <laughs> there's like uh, I still we didn't even get to talk much about your career shift um, I know but I do want to ask one last thing uh, it's particularly to the topic of self-discovery uh, as someone's in a relationship out of a relationship going through a divorce what would you want people to know about this type of experience?
1: I think that it is, it is so, like, transformational to who you are as a person. And I, I don't think that that's something that most people talk about or recognize. And I, for me, it's, it's different for every person, right? Like, I, I actually talk about my divorce a lot and my past relationship a lot because talking about it helps me make sense of it. And because it's such a marker of who I am today that I don't think you can truly know me without knowing that I've been divorced and that I've walked through that because it informs the way I think about things and respond to things in such a significant way. And I think that it's, it's utterly transformational for for everyone who's been through it. Um, because there's no way that it could not be, whether you're religious or not, you know, I think that that marriage is very much a promise that people make to be with each other and to stand by each other. And when a divorce happens, there was a breakdown somewhere in that process. Yeah, and you can't live through that breakdown without coming out a different person on the other side.
0: Well said, Hannah. It sounds, I mean, and, and also it's just for people who haven't been through that as well, I suppose, or maybe a better way of phrasing the question I was about to ask, why do you think people don't see that side of, as you put it, that, that transformational change that people go through as a person?
1: I think because it takes a lot of vulnerability to get to the place where you can talk about it having such a big influence on your life. I think that Culturally, it's a lot easier to say like, oh yeah, I was married and now I'm not. And I certainly have, there's been lots of instances in which I've done that. Yeah. Um, but I think that when you do allow yourself to be vulnerable, I think that it it helps create empathy, I think, both for people who are divorced, especially in faith communities like we were talking about. Yeah. Um, but I think also it provides a really unique window into kind of how people recover from relationships.
0: Well, thank you so much for answering all of our questions and being so honest about it. I, Even three years later, I'm sure there's things that aren't easy to talk about, and we really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's been really
0: fun. Yeah, thank you so much.